right now in Truth Today, Kristallnacht, or the Night of Broken Glass, The Alarming Rise of Jew Hatred, Part 2. That's what we're going to be discussing on the show right now. Well, thank you for joining us today. This is Pastor Sharam Hading with Truth and Love Ministry. We are so grateful that you can be with us, and we thank you for the support of this ministry, for helping to share all of our content. Uh, before we get into our program, I want to, of course, encourage you to uh, visit our website, tillministry.com, tillministry.com, as you see on the screen there. And please check out all of our information, our events calendar, our DVD orders, and all of our content there. Also, we are on Rumble, and I want to encourage you, if you're not subscribed to our Rumble page, please take the time and go to rumble.com slash to click follow, which subscribes you to our Rumble page. Um, today's show, I am doing a part two. Uh, about two, three weeks ago, we had covered a show that was titled The Alarming Rise of Jew Hatred making sense of anti-Semitism. And um, so we, um, I decided that I was going to do this show, this show again, The Alarming Rise of Jew Hatred, Making Sense of Anti-Semitism. That was the one we did. I encourage you to go back and watch that. But I really felt so much is happening that we need a part two to this. And this is pre-recorded today because I'm actually traveling right now and speaking on a long uh, ministry trip. So please pray for us on this trip. Uh, I'm in North Idaho and then Western Washington for multiple dates uh, on the trip. And so if you happen to watch the show and uh, you know people in North Idaho or Western Washington, please go to our website again on our events calendar. And we have a bunch of events that are coming up. In fact, tonight I'll be in... Um, Priest River, Idaho, and then I'll be in Western Washington Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Five nights, five different presentations uh, there, so please check that out. But I wanted to talk about this subject again because the Bible actually speaks to this quite a bit in preparing us for these last days. First of all, in, in, um, as we often do and we, we most often do, we're going to start in the Word of God today, so if you have your Bibles, Please turn with me to Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 9, as we look at the Word of God and what it has to say. The Apostle Paul is speaking now, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, specifically regarding what has happened with the rejection of the Jews towards the Messiah. He's addressing this rejection that happened because... Jesus had first come, Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah, had first come for the house of Israel. He had first come to reveal himself to the Jews before revealing himself to the Gentiles. And had they not been confused about the first coming of the, of the Lord and understanding that there was actually two different dispensations or different comings of the Lord, two different times of the Lord's coming, they would have understood that he first came to suffer before he came to conquer, or before he will come, I should say, to conquer. So we're going to pick up in Romans 9, verse 1. 
I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience is also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I, if I could, for I, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. So because we know Paul is a Jew, and he's a zealot Jew, according to his own testimony, he is saying, if I could get rid of my salvation, if I could give up my salvation in order to reach my countrymen, my bloodline, my genealogy of being Jewish. He says in verse 4, who are Israelites, to whom pertain, watch this, the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. So what's, what pertains to the Israelites? They're adopted in, they're the, they're the chosen of God, the glory of God revealed to them, through them, the covenants, all of the covenants of God, first and foremost, are dealing with the Jewish people in Israel, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from, from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, meaning Christ came from those promises, from those covenants, and, and Christ is Jewish himself, his lineage, his bloodline. Who is, Christ is, over all the eternally blessed God. So now, first of all, Paul was testifying that Jesus Christ is God. He is the long-awaited Messiah. But secondly, his heart comes through. His burden comes through for reaching the Jews, for wanting to reach them. And one of the criticisms over the last number of weeks about if we support Israel or if we support the Jewish people, and when I say Israel, I'm not talking about the government of Israel, but if we support the right of the Jewish people to be in the land, if we support the, 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 the heritage and the understanding that Israel became a nation under the providence of God, if we understand that the Abrahamic covenant and as, specifically as far as the land covenant has not been fulfilled, if we understand that there are outstanding promises and purposes that God has, that's a separate plan, a separate dispensation, what we call dispensation for the Jewish people in Israel uh, in regards to dealing with all these things and dealing with the holy city of Jerusalem, then there is for the church, the ecclesia. Not that, again, there's a different salvation. There's but one salvation. So the, the, the straw man argument that we continue to hear from those that are in the replacement theology camp or in the covenant theology camp or even preterism or partial preterism is if you are dispensational, it automatically means that you believe in dual covenant theology or you believe that there are two different um, salvation covenants. This is false. This is erroneous. This is a straw man argument. There may be a very, very, very small percentage of those who consider themselves dispensational that have that warped view. 
the majority of those that I know, 90 plus percent of those that I know, 95% of those that I know that believe in dispensationalism, to believe that there is a separate plan and purpose that God has for the Jewish people, for the nation, for the land, and for the holy city of Jerusalem, which is called Zion, which is why I am a biblical or scriptural Zionist. I'm a Christian Zionist. That belief system does not mean that we believe that God somehow has a separate salvation message to the Jews. Once Christ has come, once the Messiah has come, there is but one way of salvation. The Jews must come to belief and faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Yeshua. But we know that there is going to be a, a growing hatred, I believe, even as the day approaches. And how do we know this? Now turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And here in Revelation chapter 12, it is describing the dragon, the serpent, who we know is Satan, and the woman, and that there's a war in heaven, and then Satan is kicked out of heaven. And if you pick it up with me down in verse 13, it talks about that Satan or the dragon is going to persecute the woman. Now, erroneously, there are some who will claim that this is the church, that this is talking about the church. Again, that's replacement. Because if you're preterist, partial preterist, or replacement, then what happens is you believe that all the promises have been fulfilled, and therefore, if it's in the book of Revelation, which most sources authenticate and date it to AD 90 or 95, much later than those who claim that it was in AD 60 or, or actually 65, they will then, they must, they must transplant where it talks about any reference to Israel to the church. So it says, and when the dragon saw that he had been thrown to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Now, who's the male child that was given birth? It's talking about Jesus, Yeshua. So the, the male child came from who? A Jewish lineage, a Jewish ancestry. His entire lineage dates back to King David, Jesse, Boaz, all the way to um, the tribe of Judah, all the way to um, Jacob and Isaac, and then ultimately to Abraham. So the Jewish Messiah is exactly that, a Jew from the bloodline that, that was preserved by God even during the time of Noah. So the woman must be Israel or the Jews and not the church. But the woman was given, verse 14, two wings of a great eagle to fly from the presence of the serpent, the dragon, to her place in the wilderness where she was nourished for a time. Now watch this. This is very specific. This is not allegory. It's literal. For a time. Now we know the woman is allegory, right? It's not actually talking about a woman. We know that this is talking about the Jews. So those, that's allegory. We know there's not an actual dragon. That's talking about Satan the serpent. But here, when it says she was nourished for a time and times and a half, that literally translates to half of the seven-year period. 
three and a half years. So this reference in verse 14 is very specifically talking about that during the tribulation, and many scholars, as I agree, believe this will be in the second half of the seven-year tribulation, when the Antichrist will then break the covenant that he made to start the tribulation in fulfillment of Daniel chapter 9, verse 20 to 27, to start the 70th week of Daniel, then the dragon will now completely, instead of giving false peace to the Jews, will completely do what? Pursue them to try to kill them. The ultimate scheme of annihilation. But God is going to preserve them. Now watch this. Then from the mouth of the serpent spewed water like a river, so again, allegory, to overtake the woman and sweep her away in the torrent. This is talking about that there's going to be a great plan afoot to be able to kill or annihilate the woman, the Jews. But the earth helped the woman and opened its mouth to swallow up the river that had poured from the dragon's mouth. So the earth is going to open up, whether that's allegory or literal, and whatever army Satan has to pursue them is going to be more than likely swallowed up. So many believe this will be an earthquake of some kind. Verse 17, And the dragon was enraged at the woman and went to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Now you go, well, Sharab, how can this be the Jews? It must be the church. Again, the woman is not the church. The woman didn't give birth to the child. The child gave birth to the church, right? The male child, Jesus, the, birth, the church didn't birth Jesus. Jesus birthed the church. So that doesn't fit. The commandments of God and hold the testimony, it's talking about those who in the tribulation are left, who come to faith in the J Jewish Messiah, they're keeping the commands. Um, there are Torah-observing Jews who I believe are going to be part of that 144,000 Jewish witnesses that the book of Revelation talks about that are then now going to come to believe in Yeshua, the Messiah. Same salvation message, folks. Didn't change. And then those who are now the, the, the Messianic believers who are left during the tribulation, are then going to be led into the wilderness and be protected. Some believe in Petra and Jordan, but away from Jerusalem. And um, then, of course, we go into then Revelation 13, which is describing now the two beasts that are empowered by the dragon to bring about all of this. So, why do I share that? I want to highlight an article that... Um, I, I would call a colleague, if we can go dry out to the uh, Harbinger's Daily, The Ominous Era of Destruction. You have that one right there. Now, let's bring this article up here real quick. So this article, The Ominous Era of Destruction, Destructive Jew Hatred, is upon us again, and this time it's global. Now, this was written by a colleague. I've spoken with him at, at, a, at conferences before with Brandon House. His name is Oliver Melnick. Oliver is a Jewish Believer, he's messianic. And he is bringing up 
the story that many have forgotten, and that's why I, I titled our show today, Kristallnacht. So what is Kristallnacht? When did this happen? It took, it, it took place November 9th to the 10th, 1938. I've been saying now for the several, last several weeks, starting at the attack on Israel on October 7th, that I'm witnessing the conditions globally. And that's what he's going to talk about here. But the rise of Jew hatred is not just localized to Europe, Eastern Europe, um, like it was during the Nazi rise or in maybe the Middle East. This is now global. We have now seen this beast rear its head globally. And he is highlighting Kristallnacht, or what was known as the Night of Broken Glass, as potentially the key event that kicked off the Holocaust. And it did not take long after 1,400 plus Israeli women, children, babies, some men, some soldiers were raped, tortured, beheaded, burned, gouged eyes, um, shot, executed by Islamic, Muslim Islamic terrorist, jihadist called Hamas. And then all of those Muslims around the world that have since supported it, refused to condemn it, they try to equivocate by calling Israel's strikes on Gaza, genocide, ethnic cleansing, all of these things. As I said to you on my show on Tuesday, even pastors that I know that are giving moral equivalency who are in that uh, partial preterist covenant theology, replacement theology camp, who have said things like, well, both sides are terrorists. So now the language of claiming that Israel is now a terrorist nation, the people... Again, I could argue that the United States government now is terrorizing its own people. And that would be accurate in my opinion. We're talking about the people of Israel, the people of America. So what was the night of broken glass? The Nazis claim that there was an assassination of a German official named Ernst von Roth, who was shot two days prior by a Polish teenager, Herschel Grinspan, in reaction to his parents being deported. But, as Oliver mentions in this article that you can see again on Harbinger Daily, the boycott of Jewish synagogues, of schools, of businesses, of homes, and the subsequent attacks on the boroughs, resulting in the death of over 100 Jewish people and the destruction of 7,500 properties was extremely well-planned and anything but a reaction to a death of a German official, just like we see today. These mob protests, these mobs, they are not spontaneous. They are well-organized, well-planned, and have been ready to go. They were waiting for the opportunity. As a result of this one night, what was called the Night of Broken Glass. Now, this 
was called the November Pogrom. <clears throat> it was carried out by the Nazi party's Stur Sturmom Sturmob Teilung Parliamentary and SS Parliamentary Forces, so the SA and the SS, along with some participation from the Hitler Youth and German civilians throughout the Nazi Germany. So the young people were a part of it. They coalesced all these groups. They had paramilitary and military groups a part of it, just like we're seeing today. And it happened again November 9th and 10th, 1938. This crystal night, that's what it means, crystal nacht, this crystal night came from the shards of broken glass that littered the streets after the windows of Jewish-owned stores, businesses, and synagogues were smashed. The pretext, again, for the attack was the assassination of this German official. But many believe um, rioters destroyed 267 synagogues throughout Germany, Austria, and uh, Sudetenland. Um, as I mentioned, over 30,000 Jews were arrested and sent to the concentration camps, and many believe that this was the beginning of the Holocaust. Kristallnacht, or the Night of Broken Glass, which then led to the environment, both here in America and in Germany. I was just sharing on, on Brandon House's show last night that, uh, sorry, not last night, last week, that I was shocked to find out that there were American Germans in America that had camps throughout New York and New Jersey and Los Angeles and uh, throughout the nation that were wearing the black armbands, were flying the swastikas, doing the Nazi salute, and it was well ex accepted. It was normalized because this was 1937. This was 1938 before folks knew maybe what it was going to lead to. And part of the reason I continue to, to warn you about the alarming rise of Jew hatred, part two tonight, today, sorry, is because of the fact that I'm very concerned about the conditions that we see globally that are, that are very similar to, again, 19, late 37, 1938, 1939, in America and in Europe and in Germany. It is identical, except now we're seeing it globally because we're seeing it throughout the Middle East, throughout Europe, throughout South America, uh, throughout, of course, Africa, which many are Muslim nations now. We see it in Russia. And we're seeing it in America on all our college campuses and throughout our major cities. And so what's concerning and going back to uh, what Paul was talking about there uh, in Romans chapter 9 is that there are many reasons that are given for justifying Jew hatred. For example, racial theory. Oh, this is what the Nazis use, right? The Jews are an inferior race. Economic theory. You've heard this one. The Jews are hated because they possess all the wealth and power even though uh, up into the late 1800s, um, they did not uh, control all of the power. In fact, through the, from the, 
from the 17th century to the 20th century, uh, especially in Poland and Russia, the majority of the Jews were desperately poor and had very little, if any, influence in business or political systems. That has predominantly happened in the 20th century, after Israel became a nation. Another one is called outsider's theory. The Jews are hated because they are different from everybody else. Scapegoat theory. The Jews are hated because they are the cause of all the world's problems. Here's one that I'm hearing a lot recently. So concerning. It's called diocide theory. The Jews are hated because they killed Jesus Christ. They killed the deity. They killed God. And so the reason they're hated and the reason God rejected them supposedly is because they killed Jesus, the Messiah, even though we know that that's not the case. The Bible makes it clear that it was the Romans who were the ones who actually killed Jesus. Now, the Jews, of course, had verbal support. They were, they were accomplices in that sense. But it wasn't until centuries later that it became normalized for Jews to be cited as the murderers of Jesus. One wonders why the Romans are not more to blame. How come we don't blame the Pope? How come we don't blame the Vatican? How come we don't blame Italy or city of Rome? Even the Vatican came out and absolved the Jews in 1963 after centuries, centuries of persecuting Jews and persecuting Christians who were uh, termed uh, Judaizers. Because that was the term. If you supported Jews, if you believe in, again, biblical Zionism, you were called a Judaizer. Just like tonight, today, uh, people are throwing around the term Zionist. You're a Zionist. You're a Christian Zionist. As if it's a horrible, horrible, terrible, sinful, satanic thing. Even though the word Zion is mentioned in the Bible over 150 times as God's love for Zion, which is Jerusalem, Israel, the Jewish people. Uh, another one is the chosen people theory. The Jews are hated because they arrogantly declare that they are the chosen ones of God. In fact, right, but it, it, it's very interesting because right before the beginning of the Holocaust, many Jews in Germany rejected their chosenness status. They wanted to assimilate into German culture, into European culture in the 19th century and the 20th century. Nevertheless, they still were hated and the Holocaust still happened. So there are many reasons for this, for this hatred, folks. And this is nothing new as I covered in that previous part one show. That Satan has tried to bring about the extermination of the Jews during the Babylonian reign, during the Persian reign, which we know was obviously during the time of Mordecai and Esther, during the Assyrian reign, during the Egyptian reign, during the Hittites, and of course during the Romans, and then leading up to the Nazis, the National Socialists. And he's failed every time. Why is that? Could it be that God has his hand, that he will not allow them to be destroyed? because he has a plan for them. And that plan will come to full fruition at the end of the tribulation. When those who are left and those who become messianic 
will be preserved, as you just heard from what Paul said in Romans chapter 9. I'm sorry, in uh, not what Paul said, but in Revelation uh, chapter 12 that I covered. That though Satan pursues them, they will be protected by God in the wilderness. God is not finished with Israel. Romans 11 verse 26 tells us that in this way, all Israel would be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. So Jesus is not done with Zion, with Jerusalem. He's not done with the Jews. And they will be saved. Whoever is left at the end of the tribulation, many will die. Maybe the majority will die if you look at the numbers that are spelled out in the book of Revelation. So, I wanted to give you some more examples of this. Let's go through this dry up. Let's look at some of these that we're covering here. Um, first of all, uh, let's go to the multiple shootings at the Jewish school buildings in Montreal. Do you have that article for me, please? So here is an article uh, back from November 9th last week. Uh, on the, and again, this was interesting because it was right on the 86th anniversary of Kristallnacht. So November 9th, again, as I said, 1938, November 9th and 10th, 1938. Last week, November 9th, right on that day, multiple shootings overnight at Jewish school buildings in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Two Jewish schools were hit by gunshots overnight. No injuries. Um, the, the SPVM says they received calls at 8.20 in the morning regarding gunshots found on the front doors of a Jewish school located in St. Kevin Avenue in Cote de Negus. Uh, bullet casings were also located. Um, so the timing of that was interesting, right? Uh, then, then we have this article also from the Harbinger. If you can go, try, go back to me, please. Before you do that, um, here's this article from the Harbinger, not that one. Anti-Semitic violence across the U.S. is a warning sign of what is to come and must not be tolerated. As we broke last week, Rashida Taleb that you see there wearing her so-called... Hold on one second, Jerry. No, hold on one second, please. Bring that up. Uh, as you see her wearing her Palestinian kafia, which is the support of Hamas. That's the same thing that all the jihadists wear that is supporting Hamas and supporting Islamic Jihad and uh, Hezbollah and so forth and so on. Uh, she was censured, finally, something, by, uh, go ahead and come back to me, please, by um, uh, the House of Representatives. Um, I, I broke to you the story last week of the, of the Jewish man who was uh, beaten in the head with a megaphone that died in Los Angeles, Paul Kessler. Um, according to the FBI, there has been a, now they claim, a 37% increase in recorded anti-Jewish attacks, which made 2022 the second worst year since they began tracking. I've covered this before where 2022 was 55% of all religiously motivated hate crimes were against Jews. Muslims were less than 10% if you want to believe the narrative about Islamophobia, Islamophobia, Islamophobia. 
And remember, the White House, that's all they want to cover, right? We're going to combat Islamophobia and make it a national security issue. Um, but we are seeing a 1,200% globally rise in anti-Semitism in the last four plus weeks since the October 7th attacks. And this is very alarming because as I said, and as Oliver talked about in that other article about Kristallnacht, that it is very, very disconcerting the level this is not just political speech. You saw, for example, the screams for death of Jewish people at Cornell University in New York, um, punching a Jewish student at UMass, the students um, who were afraid for their lives and had to hide. I believe also that was at Cornell, if I remember right. We saw, uh, I covered this also, the angry mob that broke into the international airport in Dagestan, hunting down Jews. We have seen in Paris, France, and some of the suburbs, people painting Jewish stars of David on buildings and private residence to identify, just like the yellow star during World War II, to identify where Jews live. This straight, this too is straight out of the Kristallnacht playbook. And remember, I've talked to you before that Islam was making Jews and non-Muslims wear the Jewish belt called the Zunar long before Hitler did it during Nazi Germany. In fact, many believe that Hitler got the inspiration from Islam from the religion of the Mohammedans, he called them. Uh, finally, uh, um, as I already mentioned, the Jewish man dying. We have just seen... Uh, in Europe, in Australia. Again, we've covered this over the last number of weeks. The death chants, gassing the Jews. Of course, the, the most um, ominous one being from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which is an extermination chant. And that's ultimately why Rashida Taleb from Michigan was censured by the House was because she posted that, which is a call of, of extermination. It, it, before they called it from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. It was from the river to the sea, Palestine will be Arab. And which means that no Jews, no Jews allowed, even though there are many Arabs who are living in, in Israel and they have much better living conditions than they do in Gaza or the West Bank. So this is very concerning, very concerning. And our attitude towards the Jews should be one of compassion and praying for the peace of Jerusalem and being a witness to them in this hour instead of us in the church participating in denying the right that they have to the land, in denying what the Bible teaches, very clearly in my opinion, instead of Christian pastors and Christians calling Jews terrorists and, and giving equivalency to, to what Hamas and Islam did and continues to do, because I've covered for you over and over again that Islam is an antichrist spirit. Islam is a Jew-hating spirit. 
Islam is the most anti-Semitic spirit the world has ever seen. Long before Nazism, long before uh, Hitler. And so we must understand that our responsibility, let's go to this article. I thought this was a great prayer from again, the harbinger, Lord, send me one Jew that I can share the gospel with. Because we need to have the heart and listen to those Christians who are in Israel, like my friend Ramin Parsa, who's from Iran, and others who have ministries in Israel right now as we speak that are trying to witness to Orthodox Jews. The secular Jews are problematic, just like secular Christians. It's an oxymoronic statement to be a secular Jew or a secular Christian. There should be no such thing. Or a liberal Jew and a liberal Christian. There should be no such thing. Christians and Jews should be inherently conservative morally and conservative politically if they align with the Bible. But we got to pray. And so I want to share with you as we close a testimony from a group that uh, are trying to witness to Jews. Uh, this person says, uh, uh, well, I guess the person is Reuven Doron. Reuven demonstrates the power of one Gentile praying to impact the life of one Jew. And here's the story. I was born in Israel and served in the Israeli Defense Forces Special Forces Commando. When my enlistment was up, I decided to go to America and attend school. Seek my fortune and some, sow my wild oats. To support myself, I picked up a few side jobs and launched a school for Hebrew. What I did not know is that one of my Hebrew students had been praying every day for, for many years. Lord, send me a Jew. Send me one Jew that I can share the gospel with. When this man realized how arrogant and obstinate I was at that time, his prayer changed to, Lord, send me a different Jew. This one cannot be the right one. <laughs> Believe me. I've talked to some Jews who are very obstinate, just like I've talked to many Muslims who are very obstinate. When our hearts are hardened, we're obstinate. But God knew differently. I was the right one, <clears throat> and his stubborn prayer of faith had been answered. Eventually, that Christian man rose to the challenge and began sharing with me about his faith in the Jewish Messiah, Jesus or Yeshua in Hebrew. I put up strong opposition. But the powerful testimony of God's love and faithfulness eventually made me jealous. Isn't that what the Bible says? Exactly what the Bible says. That as Christians, our love of Christ should make the Jews jealous to lead them to Christ. This is not the time to be hating on Jews. Never is the time. But especially now. As there is an opportunity for us to stand. And say, we love you, we're praying for you, and we love you enough to tell you the good news about your Jewish Messiah. It goes on to say, to make me jealous and send me into a season of prayer and fasting to find out who is this amazing Messiah of Israel. Dramatically, I was born again and started a life of faith in Yeshua. Today, I am the director of Sar El Academy and Ministry Relations. Sar-El is the faith-based Israeli tour company led by Messianic believers that coordinates pilgrimage tours for lamb and lion 
Ministries. I have the privilege of serving the Lord as an avid advocate for the gospel to Jew and Gentile alike. Amen? Amen. And so this is how we have to pray. This is what we should be praying for. Praying for the love of the Jewish people. How many times have I said to you that as much as I am so adamantly against Islam and its perverse evil ideology that is an antichrist spirit, I do not ever want to allow my heart to become hard-hearted towards Muslims. I want to love them enough to share the good news with them. In the same way, I don't ever want to become hard-hearted as I see many Christians doing. Even if you believe that God has finished His promises, you should not be hard-hearted towards Jews and to supporting them at a time when they have been shocked with the worst attack in Israel since the Holocaust, the worst death toll, the equivalent of 50 to 60, more than 60,000 Americans if you look at our population versus their population. There are still 200 and something, 20, 30 hostages in Gaza as we speak. And when we see this blatant Jew hatred, vile, open, there's no hiding it. And when we see our government protecting Muslims, giving carte blanche access to Muslims, putting Muslims in the highest positions in our government. Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, the Justice Department, national security apparatus. When we see those things, it should be a greater clarion call for us to stand and to go the opposite spirit of this Jew hatred, which is to love enough the Jewish people to pray for them, to support their right to the land, biblically speaking, and to pray that God will bring Jews into your path to share the gospel, the good news of Yeshua HaMashiach. Thank you for being with us on the program today. If you want to support our ministry, please prayerfully consider a one-time secure donation via our Website, tillministry.com slash donate is the link. Um, if you want to make a check and mail it in, please visit our website here on that same page. You see the address, P.O. Box 4523, Maryville, Tennessee, 37802. Please make checks out the Truth and Love Ministry or Truth and Love. And if you preferably want to consider then joining us on a monthly basis, you can be a part of our Gideon Army of 300 who commit to praying for us and donating on a monthly basis. Thank you to all of you who support this work, support this ministry. And as I mentioned again, please visit our events page as we have other events coming up later this week in Western Washington and tonight in North Idaho. Also, please check out our church page, tillministry.com slash church as we are about to launch our public services in December. December 3rd will be our first Sunday night public service and we are about to launch our house church network starting here in East Tennessee early December and our reach in other parts of the country as well as the Lord leads. 
thank you for being with us today. This is Pastor Sharab Hadian saying, Lord bless you. Pray for the Jewish people. Pray for the peace of Israel and Jerusalem. And pray that God will use you boldly in these last days. Let's stand and not buy into the lies of the enemy. God bless.